is the Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Sponsored by Honda Marysville and Moomoo Express Car Wash. Proud partner of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McGalligan and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. It's presented by Honda Marysville. I'm Bob McGalligan along with Jody Shelley. Blue Jackets uh, coming into the day after suffering a shootout loss last night to the Chicago Blackhawks. They'll wrap up their series with the Blackhawks tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Jody, I had so many people ask me, starting last night and continuing into today, do the Blue Jackets realize it's called a shootout because you're actually supposed to take shots on net? (laughs) Because as it turned out last night, unfortunately, Cam Atkinson had the puck get away from him. Jack Roslevic had the puck get away from him. The only guy that got a shot on net was Patrick Laine. And what was disappointing about that is that the Blue Jackets battled their way back to a tie, had great opportunities in overtime, and had to settle for just one point. Well, I'll tell you what. It shows you how much admiration we should have for some of these goals we're seeing with the creativity with the puck and how guys are lifting it up on their stick and doing things that are amazing in traffic and high speed. Um, yeah, you know, I felt the same way about the shootout a little bit. Two pucks dumped in the corner. Um, but I think it kind of summed up the night for the Blue Jackets because, um, you know, they had opportunities to win. Bjorkstrand had a chance to get four goals, ended the game in regulation there. Um, you know, th- there were the chances were there, but they didn't play well enough in the beginning. So for me, it's all encouraging. It might me might be the most important uh, shootout loss of this season. And I say that because the meetings were had uh, the day before, the reflection, we heard that word a lot. I haven't heard that one in a while, but reflection was to be had. And they came out and absolutely played exactly how Chicago wanted them to play. It was just like they, they reacted to everything Chicago did. And then somehow they battled back and fought back. The power play got going. Uh, and then in the end, the shootout, they just kind of sputtered out. And I felt like they sputtered to start, and that's what uh, – put them in put them in that behind the eight ball presence they never led once uh but i see that as that that to me they showed a lot even though they got the only got the point they showed a lot uh and i think there's a lot more to come i asked john tortorella yesterday about oliver bjorkstrand i said uh, where has he been and you know he he said that uh, in some ways it was on Bjorkstrand in other ways it was that he really hasn't been able to put him on line where people are going to be able to give him the puck uh, consistently and and I said is it almost like Cam Atkinson's there if he wasn't there maybe Bjorkstrand is the guy that plays with Patrick Line and he said yeah that's probably the case well you saw what happened after the first period uh, the Line A Atkinson and Roslevic line wasn't going so all of a sudden, Line A was moved with Nick Felino and Oliver Bjorkstrand. And boy, did that ever pay dividends, uh, especially that game tying goal with Line A making the pass to Oliver. Yeah, and the thing about Oliver is, you know, ideally, he's a player that gets other people going. And I think if in an ideal world, you put him on a different line and he's the guy who does a lot of the work and also gets other guys going. But that was not the case. I mean, he played with almost everyone in the lineup again. Uh, he's, it's been scarce to see him get any kind of opportunity until last night. I like the way that line's made up and Patrick Laine was asked about it yesterday. And, you know, he appreciates the way both those guys work with the puck and, and keep pucks, uh, in their presence. And I think that for Bjorkstrand, uh, was he a little bit heartbroken that he wasn't playing with some better players? Maybe. Uh, 
but it doesn't matter now because playing with Nick Felino, who was just kind of fed up with everything that was going on, uh, to give him the big role on that line as a centerman is exactly what he was looking for. And then Bjorkstrand, um, I think he got it. They found him. And but but again, you need someone, one of those guys or two of those guys to go on a different line and get something else going. It can't all go through line A. You know what I mean? I, I think that, uh, that someone else has got to make up a different line. So I agree that line got going, but Rosovic and Atkinson now need to figure out, uh, you know, another way to get themselves going. Cause that line for me is much better suited uh, dynamic. And, you know, we've had some conversations with some different players and I like when, and it's a fact that we haven't talked about Bob is the West is a different style of hockey than the East. And the Blue Jackets are used to sticking it out with uh, the Bruins and Penguins, the, the Capitals, uh, you know, all the teams in the East. And when they go West, it's, uh, it's not for very long. And, you know, there's not much of an adjustment, but it seems to be a bigger, heavier, uh, less interior played game. And, you know, you have to really fight more to get to the inside. Blue Jackets now are facing all teams pretty much from the West, except for Carolina and the teams down South. And especially, it seems like, especially early in this season where they've got Chicago again, where they're not so much, I feel like they're a little more Eastern style than the West, but they're still have that kind of attitude of crashing the net in the offensive zone and really making you sputter in their defensive zone. And I wonder if that's not a bit to do with this matchup. And, and, and I think that the blue jackets, um, don't get too frustrated with a lot of the things that are going on. Like last night, I think that's still there. I just think at times uh, the new players and um, some of these combinations that they're looking at just aren't working for whatever reason. And I think they, they have to be careful not to get too down on themselves. And I wonder if Bjorkstrand was getting a little bit away from what he has to be doing. And, and maybe he's brought back to where he can just get his game going himself too. Yeah, that's a really good point that you made, too, about uh, the East and the West. We haven't talked about that, and this is a, a combination division right now. And when you look at the Blue Jackets years ago, they played in the West. They were built to play in the West. I think that kind of helped them when they went to the East because they played a rougher game than mm-hmm. the teams in the East, and, and that was an adjustment. But then they also had to get faster and right. uh, more skilled to compete with those other teams. Uh, speaking of the difference between the East and the West, uh, we're going to have a guy that's played in both conferences, Michael Delzato, Blue Jackets defenseman, join us in just a little bit. And, and I'm sure he'll have something to say about that. But let's talk about that. You've got you've got Chicago. Yeah, that's a Western Conference team. You've got Nashville, a Western Conference team. The Blue Jackets have had problems with them. They've yeah. lost three out of four. Dallas is a Western Conference team that represented the conference in the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That That's a pretty good point. You're almost playing a, a hybrid system here, right? If you're playing Tampa, it's one way. If you're playing Nashville and Dallas, it's another way. Yeah, and Torts will say we just worry about ourselves. And I don't know if that can be the full case because the way Carolina forechecked uh, gave them a tough time. They were quick on the forecheck, but it was different than playing the Nashville Predators who uh, – they're, they're not afraid to dump and chase too, or they're not afraid they're, they're heavy on the back check. So, you know, th- there's a certain way that it's played in the West and I, it's bigger. It's, it's a little more on the wall. And maybe that's why the blue jackets to me, when you look at the board battles, it really sticks out that they are losing them. And, and maybe it's because the West is used to playing on the wall. They're used to the, 
matching up and measuring against you on the wall. And uh, I don't think in the East it's, you're spending as much time out there. Um, you know, I, there's a few, th those are the three things that stand out to me with East and West uh, size of the players uh, battle level and less ice in the interior uh, as far as in front of the net. And I mean, battle level on the boards and I, you know, there's something there, Bob, and it'd be interesting uh, to watch it on another level, but, and then you look at Carolina um, you know, the speed they have and, and the skill, I just, I think you overlook it. I don't think you give them the respect that, that, uh, they have, uh, deserve because the way they're built, they're built really well, fast, big, strong, but they still play that in your face style on the four check and, and not so much on the wall. So I think there's an adjustment there. And, and I think that that's a real thing for the blue jackets to be in a division with both, uh, where you, your, your own game is, it's got to be even better when it comes to the simplicity of battling on the wall and getting pucks out. And that's really where the Blue Jackets have struggled the past five or six games. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk to a guy that has played in the East and the West. He's put himself together a great NHL career that's lasted a dozen years. Blue Jackets defenseman Michael Delzato will join us for the first time ever as the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville continues on 97.1 The Fan. You want to wear what the Blue Jackets wear? You can find the latest in Blue Jackets fashion all day, every day at the Blue Line Online. The Blue Line Online is always open. Just go to bluelineonline.com. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and joining us right now is Blue Jackets defenseman Michael Delzato. Well, the first thing I want to ask you is you had to be a spectator for last night's game. So uh, how are you feeling? Are you, are you going to be able to get back into that lineup soon? Uh, I practiced today, which is good. Uh, we'll see how I feel tomorrow. It's kind of a day-by-day -day thing. Um, so, uh, I hopefully have a better answer for you tomorrow. Was it tough to watch that? Is it, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time it's not the first time that you've had to sit and watch a game, but you're with a team that's struggling to find its identity right now. I know you really want to be a part of that. And then you have to sit and watch, uh, is that still difficult for you? Yeah, of course. Especially the situation we're in now, uh, the shortened season, everything's magnified that much more. Every game means that much more. Um, you never want to watch, but again, a circumstance like this makes it that much tougher. Um, you want to be able to be, be able to be in the lineup and help your teammates. Um, uh, you know, especially with Z out too, you look at our back end last night, uh, fairly inexperienced, uh, you know, Jonesy had to play whatever 30 plus minutes last night, which is, uh, isn't, uh, an easy task at any time, let alone with the schedule we have now. So hopefully I can be back as soon as possible, help the team, um, get on track, provide some leadership, and, and hopefully uh, solidify things. Since you bring up Seth Jones, you've had a chance to be his partner at different points here, and uh, you played with a lot of guys in your career in this league. How does Seth Jones match up? What makes him special for this team? The thing with Jonesy that I love about him is, of course, he can skate. He's big. He's got offensive talent. But the way he competes defensively, there's not many guys, not many defensemen in the league now that are known as uh, you know power player offensive guys who have that compete level who have that uh, physical edge to their game, that, that mean streak. So that's one thing I, I truly respect and, and, and love about him is he's tough to play against. You know, there, there's some offensive guys in this league that I know other offensive players uh, love having them in their own end because they're not responsible or um, maybe the effort level isn't quite there as, as it is when they do have the puck. So that's the thing that the biggest thing I take away from him is uh, his all around game. 
Michael, when you looked at coming to this organization, um, you know, it was pretty deep in defense. Could you see a spot where you could fit in or did you have conversations that led you to believe that you could actually earn a contract with this team? Um, I mean, any, any, any team you go to, even if you do have a contract, you're, I mean, you're trying to earn a spot or guarantee a spot or, or guarantee more ice time every single day. So nothing is given, especially with torts. And I think that was, um, what made the decision for me was having towards here and understanding that nothing is, is given um, with him as your coach, everything is earned. And, you know, you can't really say that about a lot of other uh, teams or organizations in the league. You know, the last few years, it's been unfortunate being on uh, on rebuilding teams where no matter how well you play, they were going to go with their younger guys. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little old school in that way where everything needs to be, be earned and, that's how it was when I came in the league as a young guy. And I'd like to think uh, that's how it should be uh, in any, uh, not just in hockey, but in any aspect of life that everything should be earned. I like that old school uh, flavor you have. And you know what? I got to ask you a question that I love when people ask me about torts. Has he changed? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's definitely, uh, he's, he's changed a bit. He's understand where the game has gone. Obviously a lot more young guys now. So how you approach it every single day, um, I don't think the young guys, um, you can use the word soft or you have to be um, a little bit lighter on them, I guess now, just because there's so many of them, uh, putting it politely. Yeah. Um, but with him, you saw, you know, second game in with, uh, after the trade with Patty Line, you know, 40 goal scorer. It doesn't matter um, if you make $10 million, league minimum, 40 goal scorer, zero goal scorer. He, there's a standard you have to meet every single night with him in that in, in compete level and, and how you approach a game. And um, that's one thing that I truly respect about him because, because as I said before, there's not many coaches who, uh, who are uh, as firm or strict as he is uh, every single day. And there's no, uh, there's no gray area, gray area with him. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Like it, it's not as uh, black and white, if you will, as far as, you know, he, he, he does have that soft spot. I think it has grown a little bigger through his uh, just being around but what I want to ask is when you, um, you know, this team needs or he needs more importantly, sometimes a veteran to maybe walk in and say, Torts, why would you say that? Or why wouldn't you try not to say that? Or do you feel you have that relationship with them where maybe you can represent the guys and be going to be like, Torts, listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't know, a week or two ago, he was on the he was on the treadmill in the gym. And it's funny, you know, no one was within – you know, it seemed like 30, 40 feet of him. And I went over there right beside him and warmed up and we were, you know, chatting about different things. So I think some guys still are intimidated uh, with him, a little scared of him, especially depending on how the game went the night before. But uh, with our relationship, we've been through, uh, you know, so many ups and downs together. I'm, you know, I had him 12 years ago. And I think, you know, I respect uh, how he treated me at a young age and, and, that's one reason why he came here is, is, is having that relationship. And I think he's, he respects me as well for how far I've come along, how far I've matured the experience. Um, so yeah, we can have that conversation. You know, it's not probably not going to be something that's going to be in front of the room where, um, you know, you speak out of line or, or disrespect him by any means. But um, I think there is a mutual respect there where we can have a conversation where maybe I disagree on something and we could at least hash it out that way and, and get a better understanding of how uh, I guess maybe why, the rhyme or reason of, of why things are done.
No, it would be definitely be out of respect where you could go in and be like, you know, you know it's good for Torson, you know it's good for the team. I think it's important for everyone, especially for him, to have a guy like you who he respects that can maybe turn the light on a few things that are happening in the room. So I just was wondering if you had that. So that, yeah, that's important. And, and even with some of the younger guys, even, you know, Peeker just went down to Cleveland today, but even having him, you know, we've spoken numerous times because I haven't been in that position before, even with Z. You know, I've spoken to them numerous times. I've, I've been there where it seems like he can be hard on you, but he cares. And, and sometimes it's, it is tough, but you have to have thick skin with him. But you also have to, have to understand it's, it's for the betterment of you and for the team. He wants to win. He's just as passionate as the players are. Um, sometimes, you know, he can be a little hard, but um, if you understand why, I think it, you take a step back and appreciate what he's doing for you. Bob, I, I do want to say, uh, when Michael and I played together in New York, there was nobody in the weight room uh, when Torts was in there on the, I think he was on the elliptical, including you, DZ. And uh, I think it's because you guys were all sick of him. It was towards the end of the year when I got there, but uh, you guys are probably sick of hearing him. Yeah, that, that was, when he was in there, that was his weight, weight room. It was actually, it's, I remember it specifically. As the second he stepped foot out of there, then everyone went in. It was yeah. kind of funny, yeah. <laughs> Michael, let's talk about that early relationship between you and John Tortorella. Now, when he's spoken to me about you back then, uh, he says that, you know, you had a lot of swagger to you. <laughs> and he felt uh, at that time it was a little bit too much swagger. And you, you said, uh, like with Andrew Peake going back to Cleveland, you were there. I mean, when you were with the Rangers, you got sent back to Hartford in the American Hockey League at one point. So um, how do you go from – from the relationship way back then when maybe you didn't think he was being fair, or maybe he thought that you were too full of yourself <laughs> to getting to where you guys are today. Yeah. I mean, I, I came in as an offensive defenseman, a power play guy, putting up points, you know, I had a great first season. Um, but we butt heads as far as him trying to teach me how to play uh, defense, blocking shots, you know, all the stuff that you guys are well aware of, but, but teaching me how to be a pro every day and teaching me how to become a winner and do the things that it takes to win on a, on a nightly basis. Um, I was sent down my second year, um, obviously wasn't happy, but I, you know, bounced back next year and had a career year and 41 points and plus 20. Um, so at, at that point I started to realize what he expected of me. Um, the next year I had a solid year as well, kind of coming out of the lockout. Um, but going from that relationship then to now is yeah, we butt heads and, and maybe I was young uh, naive, uh, arrogant, cocky, whatever word you want to use, where he was trying to teach me how to stay, stay. It's a fine line between being, having that swagger and, and going over the line and, and, and being arrogant on the ice and making, um, I guess, immature decisions, uh, especially with the puck. Um, so just, I mean, like most players through maturity experience, um, playing in different situations, you understand, um, I guess yourself as a player, as a person and what it takes to win every single night. You know, I went from New York to Philly where I was playing shutdown minutes there. PK wasn't really in an offensive role. And, and every year, depending on the situation you get put in through experience, um, I think that's probably my best asset now is my versatility, you know, depend uh, any situation I'm put in uh, left side, right side, power play, penalty kill, five on five, four and four, whatever it may be, a physical game, an offensive game. Um, you know, I'm able to adapt and, and play whatever, uh, situation the the game uh, I guess arises I'm going to ask you this because uh, both Jody and I spent time in the American Hockey League like you did and when you got sent back down and this also has to do with guys that are going through this right now how much did you learn how much more did you learn just about everything about yourself about 
uh, how to be a pro in the game. And when you got back, uh, the lessons that you learned in the American Hockey League, how important were those for you? Yeah, it was it was uh, a weird situation because I'd been I was only down for eleven games, and then I ended up breaking my finger. I was done the rest of the year, so I was there for a couple months. And um, so it wasn't maybe so much the on ice stuff that I learned, but I think it was the, the mental side of it is making me that much hungrier to to stay in the NHL, um, to do whatever it takes um, to be there on a nightly basis, and and be, and be in the NHL for a long time and not get back set, get sent back down again. So um, the thing with the NHL, I'm a firm believer that, you know, every, every player in the league is a great player. The difference from staying in the league, being a good player, a great player is the mental aspect of it. Of course, when you get an opportunity, you have to make the most of it, but the confidence side, when you have it, how long, how do you hold on to that as long as possible? And when you don't have it, how quickly can you get it back? So uh, I'm a firm believer in, in, Mental toughness is something that I don't think is, um, um, I don't say rewarded, but isn't in talk, talked about or um, scouted enough, I guess. Uh, you, you always talk about the analytics and, and what you have now. And I think some of that stuff is nonsense, but I think between the years is something that isn't measured and um, is huge for a player. Well, the last thing I have for you on this subject then is we talked about your early relationship with Torch. When did, uh, the conversations begin where you were looking at the blue jackets and, and you finally signed that tryout. How did that whole process start? And when did you decide that, yeah, this is, this is the place where I need to come. This is where I think I can make something happen. Yeah. To be honest, me and Torts didn't talk until I signed the tryout. Um, we, we hadn't had that conversation. I knew, and I, I mean, I know everything I need to know about him. I knew what to expect coming in, but once I signed that tryout, we spoke and we kind of laughed at first about, you know, funny how things have come full circle and rekindled the our friendship relationship or uh you know business love. relationship I call it love yeah love, love, love. yeah, yeah. <laughs> tough, tough love tough love yeah, yeah yeah um so we we spoke about that and then he was brutally honest with me as to where he thought uh I could help out with the team uh where he saw the team I uh, I'm you know pretty familiar with the team I understand how he coaches the strengths and whatnot of the team but I think providing some veteran leadership on the back end with a, a fairly uh, younger back end. And also, like you said before, when he's in the room and he's, he's tough on guys and um, I like to keep things light. I think that's uh, important too, is sometimes to ease the tension or the uh, to relax the room a little bit. Blue Jackets defenseman, Michael Delzato is with us. We'll continue the conversation after this on 97.1, the fan. Blue Jackets are at home tomorrow night to take on the Chicago Blackhawks, and tomorrow is Hockey is for Everyone night, presented by Voorhees. We are joined right now by Blue Jackets defenseman Michael Delzato. Michael, when you uh, just mentioned about losing confidence, was did you ever go through something like that where your confidence was gone and, and you kind of, because I, I guess everyone has done that, but how did you get out of that? Um, just work ethic that's you know that's one thing I've always taken pride in is not every day is going to go the way you want it to there's so many things that you can't control in this game especially the last few years as I mentioned before being on rebuilding teams and you play a phenomenal game and next thing you know you're out of the lineup because they want to bring a young guy in and there's no rhyme or reason for it and um, you know the lack of accountability I guess in, in some organizations is, is frustrating and, and it really doesn't make sense to me to be quite honest um, but I've always said, if I could look at myself in the mirror um, at the end of every day, knowing I gave everything I had, um, I can go to sleep easy. So uh, if the work ethic's there, I think it allows you to be put in positions to succeed. 
and uh, you never have to look back. So looking for accountability, how about that? I mean, honestly, and I, I feel this because I think you are now entering the greatest part of your career, an older guy who understands uh, you figured out how to uh, be uh, valuable to a team later in your career using what you've learned, but also understanding how important accountability is. Um, you value that a lot more now than you did before, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's numerous things I value a lot more now than I did before, just because I don't think I understood some of these things before. And again, that goes back to maturity, experience, um, all of that. Now being in my in my 12th, 12th year, to be quite honest with you, I, I think, you know, the last few years is probably some of the best hockey I've played in my career, just from the understanding of, of knowing what it takes to, you know, to, to win every single night, knowing that you may not have your best game every night, but allowing the mental side of it to allow you to stay in games and knowing if you don't have your best stuff, how do you simplify just ways to be successful when uh, maybe things aren't going your way. Um, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm really happy with where, where my game's at. I'm looking forward to getting back in the lineup as soon as possible. And hopefully we, uh, as a team can gain some consistency here and um, climb up into a playoff spot and, and, and see some success. You know what? I did see the backhand cross zone sauce pass though this year. So I'm, I'm glad you still have that in your repertoire. It's still there. It's uh, <laughs> it's up the sleeve, just uh, hiding a little bit higher up now. That's all. <laughs> I was glad to see it's it. Not the, it's not the first trick in the bag for me right now. I'm looking to go off the glass. That's all. <laughs> hey, is it any easier to get away with that play now than it was when you first started? And I, I mean, because the games opened up so much and, you know, it used to be, you didn't even as a defenseman, you didn't dare make plays in front of your goaltender and now that's pretty commonplace uh yeah I mean back then I think the success rate of those plays for me was probably a little bit higher and I probably look to make those plays a little bit more than now um now trying to simplify the game and play within the system you're looking to make the simple option or the simple play first as opposed to to the home run play or that stretch stretch pass um so the game for sure is played differently for sure played differently in the east than the west um but again, it, it, understanding the system, um, who we are as a team, who I am as a player, um, I guess the, the, your checklist of, of when you have the puck starts from uh, maybe a simpler play as opposed to before where you're looking for that, uh, that highlight real play that you're going to see on SportsCenter the next night. When you talk about who you are as a team, and you know, a lot of people think, well, this Blue Jackets team, the core is here. They should know who they are. They should be able to just adapt and play. But there are a lot of new faces in here. And, you know, even though you know how Torts, uh, how demanding he is and, and what you need to do within his system, what has the other part been like where you're joining a new team, you are trying to get to know everybody, and during these COVID protocols, you're pretty much limited to going to the rink to be with your teammates, and, and that's it. If you're on the road, you go to the rink, you go to the hotel, that's it. I mean, all the things that – I'm sure that you've done a lot in your career, which is, you know, team dinners or, or dinners with a couple of guys, just those opportunities outside of work to get to know people better and which translates into being better teammates and, and playing more cohesively on the ice. How tough has that been for you to deal with this year? Yeah, that's been the toughest adjustment for me as shells. No, I like to keep things light at the rink. I love joking around. I mean, to me, the best part of the game is spending time with your teammates away from the rink and getting to know them. They're essentially your extended family. You're, you're with them eight to 10 months, depending on playoffs all day, every day. So um, especially being a single guy, this is my family. So not being able to spend time with guys, have guys over for dinner, get to know uh, hobbies, interests, um, their families, 
it's it's been difficult. You know, you're trying to get um, trying to get to know 23 players, um, 10, 15 new staff. Uh, it, it's not easy, but at the same time, as far as the on ice stuff goes and the demand, um, I guess, and the way that Torts wants us to play, that that's simple. You know, hockey's hockey. Um, the work ethic he wants you to put every single day that 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 should be there shouldn't be any excuse or any inconsistency consistency in that regard and there's only so many systems you can play I I think that's uh, a bit of an excuse as far as getting used to new systems because if you know how to play hockey it's the rest should take care of itself so I think for us um, the energy needs to be there every single night of of course with no crowd but um, which I, I explained to the team uh, probably a week or so ago now is, you know, as much as the fans are great and we appreciate having them there and supporting us and they essentially put food on the table for us. Uh, we're out there competing for, for the guy next to us. We're out there competing with our teammates. And so fans or not, it shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't be using that as an excuse to to have our energy every single night. All right. Well, that being said, the fans are going to start being allowed back into the building only a little bit at a time, but at this point, how much are you looking forward to get, a little bit of real, real cheers and not the uh, fake pumped in crowd music. Yeah, that's going to be nice. The, the fake, the fake pump up is, uh, it kind of trips me out a little bit, to be honest. So having the fans in there, I think is going to be enjoyable. Um, it is funny, you know, when there's a goal going on and you hear yourself yell on the ice or on the bench, uh, it's been a bit, uh, taking a bit to get used to that, but I'm looking forward to the fans. Um, just from being in an away team coming in here, I know how passionate they are. So even uh, a small amount is still going to be uh, huge for us. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Now, Michael, I think we should uh, tell the fans to come for warm-up for more, not only uh, the reason to see you skate, but <laughs> the music has really improved in warm-up. Uh, and I think you have a lot to do with it. Yeah, like, yeah. They've done a passion. good job of, of, of playing my stuff and, and playing it loud, which I told them. I said, there's no fans, so let's jack the music up and get the boys pumped up uh, and warm up. I don't want to be able to hear myself think. I just want to enjoy the music, bring a couple shots off the bar and get some confidence. Uh, so hopefully if the fans come early enough, they can enjoy that and maybe I'll get a few new uh, uh, friends or followers uh, of my music. Okay, let's talk about this. You're a DJ. Tell us about your passion off the ice and maybe take us through the, the recent uh, warm-up selections you've got and, and kind of what you got, that thought behind it. Um, yeah, so I guess, long story uh, short, I got into music. I've always loved music, as you've known. Uh, I got into DJing probably six, seven years ago. Uh, being in Philly, I was you know, pretty much watching Netflix all day, every day when I'd leave the rink and I, I decided I'd need a new hobby. So like anything, practice makes perfect. Um, was watching a bunch of uh, tutorials on YouTube, having... Uh, DJ buddies who were uh, pretty successful seeing them in studio learning that way and the biggest thing for me I've played um, you know gigs in Toronto Montreal Miami and and for me music music's an international language right so no matter where you are everyone can enjoy music and the best thing uh, the biggest thing I love about it is uh, if you're playing in a venue or wherever you are if you have the ability everyone is going through their own struggles or, or issues. If you have the ability to put a smile on someone's face, I think that is such a cool um, ability to have because uh, even what we're going through right now with COVID and the pandemic is any little opportunity you have to brighten someone's day, I think is, uh, is special and, and music does that. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I enjoy it. So it's DJ. DJ MDZ is- on SoundCloud. Yeah. DJ MDZ. Yeah. And tell us about the warm up list right now because you're responsible for it. And, yeah. Yeah. And, so I have a bunch of different ones. Uh, I try to mix it up so it doesn't get too stale. 
Um, it's depending on, on per team I've been on where things, you know, we don't have an, uh, that old of a team here where when I was in Vancouver, we had the Sedin twins and they like certain stuff. So you're trying to cater to, uh, to whoever's on the team, you know, you throw some rock in there with the younger, younger guys. Now you got to throw a little hip hop. Uh, when, even when Miko was here, I had some throwback stuff on. So trying to cater to the team, uh, you're not going to make everyone happy. That's impossible. I think you have to understand that going in that you're going to hear a lot of complaints, uh, from certain guys. You know, there's some guys that like country and I refuse to play country. So oh, come on, it is what it is. No, I, the, the country can be played uh, on practice days. Not, that's not meant for pump up. I'm not opposed to it, but when it's pump up stuff before the game or on ice warm up, uh, that's where I, uh, I take over and that's where it's, it's my time to shine. So do you sit back and watch the guys and kind of gauge how much they like it or do you for get sure, to- for sure. Okay. If there's stuff on, yeah. And you'll have conversations with the guys. Some guys will come up and say, Oh, I really like this or, Oh, this one was just okay. So I love getting feedback because then you get a better understanding of what guys want and, and you can cater to them. What's the, what's the rush like when you're DJing? Like what's the biggest crowd you've DJed for it? And what can you compare it to anything as far as the emotions you feel and the excitement you get? Um, it, I mean, similar to hockey, whereas when you're DJing, all eyes are on you, but the only difference is you're the only person that they're looking at. Right. So it's in hockey, you have, you know, nine other guys, 10 other guys on the ice to kind of distract someone's attention. But, uh, I mean, in DJing, if you make a mistake in a transition or a song is similar to like, you know, turning the puck over and having it in the back of your net. So some similarities there, or if you have a great transition or song, everyone likes it's similar to go and bar down, right? It's, uh, there are some similarities that you can uh, compare the two. Um, but again, the, the, the most fun is, is just being able to provide smiles on people's faces, seeing people dance. And if you're able to get their mind off, whatever um, a negative things are going on in their life, I think is, uh, is awesome. Jody, you know, I did play the Holiday Inn in Somerset, Pennsylvania as a DJ oh. way back in the day. Yeah, but your dad was a DJ and you got yeah. you used to work the lights, right? Red, blue, pink, <laughs> red, blue, pink, pink. My right? dad, my dad got a karaoke machine when karaoke was the new thing, right? And he was he was cutting edge with that stuff. So uh, that still pays dividend, dividends today, doesn't it, Jody? You've seen that. <laughs> Absolutely. Practice. Good karaoke machine. Always live what are your guys' karaoke songs? That's a good well, question. You got to understand, uh, you know, with my age, and I know you don't like country, but Boot Scoot and Boogie's one that I can just get up there and do right now. And I don't okay, have to worry yeah, about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know? And he's really good at it. I, <laughs> I used to just go with Roxanne because I think there's four words on it. <laughs> you can turn on the red light. <laughs> what about you? You got one? Oh, of course. Yeah, I got uh, either Tina Turner, What's Love Got to Do With It, or, uh, or I can rock Spice Girls. Nice. nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. wide variety yeah that's my go those are my two go-to's though that is quite the variety right there. i can do vanilla ice now that i thought about it i could do ice ice baby pretty uh i wouldn't even need the lyrics oh that's that's see that's impressive we don't even need the lyrics and you're just playing to the crowd that's how uh, much i played that song back in 1996 <laughs> that's, that's how you score a couple of free beers eh? yeah <laughs> the uh, uh david lee roth just a gigolo is not bad at about oh yeah you're good at that <laughs> yeah depends on the time of night too yeah exactly <laughs> exactly right how many yeah. drinks deep you're in yeah how, how the, what the confidence level is like <laughs> that's right that, that's why if i'm ever going to try something new it's going to be late i'm going to size up the crowd make sure yeah, they're ready for exactly. it exactly in case yeah. i screw up Michael, uh, thanks so much for doing this. What's your, uh, you said about picking up some followers. Give us your uh, social media platforms here. Uh, my Instagram's at MDZ official and Twitter's at Michael Delzato. And then SoundCloud is uh, DJ MDZ. And then well, for, 
just and, and while we're at it too, just uh, I started up this business venture during COVID for uh, any of the Columbus kids, hockey kids out there looking for, I guess, an additional tool to, to stay sharp, the virtualhockey.com, um, something I kind of came up with because I knew back in Toronto, I was trying to stay sharp and everything was closed. So I came up with this platform that allows uh, kids to stay fit and keep their hockey skills sharp. And to be honest, the parents are pretty <clears throat> excited to get their kids off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and the kids are excited to get off the couch too. There's no question about exactly. that. Yeah. So thanks for doing this with us. We really do appreciate it. Good to get you and Jody reunited again. I'm glad when you left the Rangers and went to the Flyers, you weren't intimidated about taking the Jody Shelley path. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm glad to have Shells back. I miss Shells. I- I'm hoping we get some face-to-face sometime soon and can catch up. Yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to have you out to the suburbs, Michael. I'm ready whenever you are. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Blue Jackets defenseman Michael Delzato back with more of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville on 97.1 The Fan. Getting ready to close out this week's edition of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville. Jody, today the first coach firing occurred in the National Hockey League as Claude Julien was relieved of his duties by the Montreal Canadiens, so they had dropped three in a row. They're still in the top four in the Canadian division, but uh, Mark Bergevin or somebody there in Montreal didn't like how things were going, and they decided it was time for a change. Are you surprised? I am a little surprised. Um, you know, I haven't really paid attention. I noticed that they had an unbelievable start, and they've lost a few, including a couple to the Ottawa Senators. Um, you know, that's a team with uh, a lot of expectations, especially with the division in Canada set up the way it is seven teams four making the playoffs it's one of the best years uh, for a canadian team to come out of that area and if you look at the montreal canadians they've got to be all in to be the team that comes out of of canada and go right to the semifinals. Uh, it's going to be a tall task Uh, they're going to have to win two series to get there but uh, with the goaltender they have the leadership in weber the acquisitions they've made uh, they've got prospects in Luke Richardson and Dominic Descharmes as their assistant coach. I know Descharmes would make a lot of noise for uh, other positions or other vacancies around the league. He's a guy that's coached at the national level as far as the amateur world juniors. Uh, he's got a kind of a, uh, a new age coaching style, intelligent guy. So he's been an assistant coach there along with, we know, well-known former captain Luke Richardson. Uh, who coaches the D. So you know what? When you have that kind of talent waiting, um, maybe you, uh, you know, sometimes a team needs just a new direction. And I don't, I mean, Claude Julian is one of the best coaches we've ever seen in this league. And um, it's his second time with the Montreal Canadiens. So maybe it's just something, he's old school. Maybe it's just a different uh, voice in that locker room with those young kids. You know, they've got a, a lot of that team is young, you know, the old school guys are there, but the Mete, the Gallagher, these guys, there's some young people there, and uh, maybe they just needed a new voice. So I'm always impressed when organizations, uh, especially like that, with the pressure they have and the window they think they have right now, uh, go and make these changes. And it's obviously done uh, with a lot of thought and, and, and obviously having confidence in what they have in the bench already uh, in mind. Or maybe there's someone else available now that they think if they have to wait, they, their guy won't be available. This is what I am very anxious to see when the time comes. 
the Canadian teams, I look, I'm just going to tell you, I, I think that's the weakest division. So are the Toronto Maple Leafs as good as they appear to be? If Montreal wins that division, what is the team that comes out of that division going to look like when they get to the semifinals and they've got to play one of the other teams in the league? I, I don't really think we're going to know much about any of those teams until that moment. You know what? I haven't really thought about it, but yeah, you're right. Uh, the Blue Jackets in this division, how we talked about in the first segment, they're getting a lot of diversity with the teams they're playing. You know, uh, Stanley Cup champion, team that's been all the way to the finals last year, team in a rebuild that's giving them a tough time in the Blackhawks, the Carolina Hurricanes who are being overlooked, the Florida Panthers who are making some noise. Uh, this, to me, is a battle-tested division. Uh, I would look at, and everyone's looked at the Metro, the, the East Coast, sorry, the former Metropolitan <laughs> Division, and those guys are battle-tested too. You know, there's a, there's a lot going on. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I think when playoffs start, yeah, you might see like the old, in the old Patrick Division when the, the styles were so different. Uh, it was It was strange to see those teams play against each other. You might get a little of that once the semis start, but I don't know. They might be getting a tad of self, uh, self-confidence from playing the same goalies and same players over and over that Austin Matthews is just eating alive, but we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out when things get tighter here down the stretch, games 30 to 54. Yeah, I mean, Vancouver has not been good. Ottawa's in a rebuild. So there's two of the – so you're going to face six other teams, two of them right there uh, or – Calgary's struggling now. Calgary's a struggling. Bit. Edmonton's finding their game, but they're still offensive. Oh, I guess they've locked it down the past couple of games, only giving up a few goals. But yeah, you know what? You can see bigger holes in a lot of these organizations. I, I would agree with that. But yeah, and, and less teams, so you can already pick the three that aren't going to be there, or two yeah. for sure. Yeah, and I could just see a team coming out of there feeling really good. And all of a sudden having to play a, a Boston or something like that and go, holy uh, cow. See, I think Winnipeg might be the team out of there. I, I, really? I, the way they're built, I just – I feel that the skill on that is fun to talk about right now. But for me, Winnipeg is a team that when it's a seven-game series and it's a grind, they've got a, a nice a mix of veterans, a goalie that's won the Vesna, a great coach. Uh, they know their window. I think they come out of that that uh, Canadian North division. Yeah. And guess what? They get lost in the shuffle because all everybody yeah. talks about is the Leafs and the Canadians. So that's a good point. You, you know, the under the radar team, sometimes the teams that nobody talks about sometimes are the teams that come out and make the most noise. They're so always the scariest. Yeah. Not the guy with all the muscles making all the noise. It's the quiet guy in the back. That's not saying a word. He's the guy you should worry about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it for uh, this week's edition of the Inside Edge. We'd like to thank Michael Delzato for joining us tonight. The Blue Jackets and Blackhawks will wrap up a four-game homestand. That's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. And the pregame coverage starts at 6.30 on Fox Sports Ohio and on the Blue Jackets radio network. So that is going to do it for us. So for Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville on 97.1 The Fan.